here we go. One last podcast of the regular season prior to the bowl season. It is Big Ten Championship Week, and we are here with the preview, rocking with you, providing you the most in-depth college football analysis in the Big Ten. This is the Big Ten Football Focus Podcast. Happy to be with you guys here today. A lot to get to, a lot that's happening in and around the, the, the Big Ten, and uh, I, I didn't think it would be moving quite this fast that uh, both Nebraska and Wisconsin would find head coaches as quickly as they did. Uh, we'll be touching on that, spending the first, oh, you know, 10, 15 minutes or so uh, doing that, and then we'll be locking in, giving you guys a championship preview uh, for the Boilermakers of Purdue taking on the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Michigan right now is currently number two in the college football playoff standings, and uh, we'll kind of jump into that. I believe the selection show is uh, Sunday, so uh, we'd be obviously reacting to that uh, on the next podcast. I'll probably wait and delay that podcast. Oh, well, I normally do in the afternoon, probably wait till nighttime to do that podcast just to kind of, uh, you know, uh, lock it in with you guys. So, uh, but let's jump into it. Let's spend no more time uh, and let's jump into what, what I really want to focus on. We're, like I said, we're going to preview the Nebraska coaching hire, the Wisconsin coaching hire uh, briefly. Um, if you guys want, we can always go more in-depth at it at a later time. In the off-season, we have a lot of fun ideas, hopefully bringing on a couple of pretty good interviews as well uh, as far as, you know, uh, you know, as far as providing you guys better content uh, as uh, for, you know, more in-depth. We can do a lot more things in the off-season, like I said, interviews, uh, you know, fan questions, maybe a fan interview as well. Uh, a lot of fun things coming, right? right. We have we have regular season content, and sometimes in the off-season you get even better content because you do get to, you have that little more personable time, and, and you're able to digest those things. So, keep on, uh, keep on going uh, with us strong. Uh, the best is yet to come. We're going to keep on providing you guys uh, the most in-depth analysis. So let's jump into Nebraska. Uh, let's start off with, you know, Nebraska. I, I look at these two programs just briefly, and and personally, I don't see two programs that are in completely different places. Both are are what you would consider blue bloods of of the of the college football world. Honestly, uh, growing up, I do not remember a time where where Wisconsin was bad. Wisconsin has been, I swear, any time between eleven and two and eight and five, maybe as a worst season, nine and four, my entire life. They are the model of consistency, and it completely makes sense. Uh, both Wisconsin and Nebraska are in. Semi, you know, rural. You would consider rural uh, Wisconsin, obviously, with with Green Bay, uh, but has you know the Green Bay Packers. But for the most part, you can become really irrelevant really quickly. Uh, where if you're not making those those national headlines, as far as that goes, so interesting to to follow uh, these two programs my entire life. Now, I don't really remember uh, in my lifetime a time where Nebraska has been overwhelmingly dominant uh, growing, you know, being a 90s baby and growing up. I mean, I remember it a little bit under Bo Pelini, but for the most part, 
from what I remember in, in specific instances, I don't really remember the Cornhuskers making a lot of noise. I remember Wisconsin being very consistent. So let's start with Matt Rule. We kind of did, did a little preview on the last one, but we were, we're going to dive into his record, and then I want to make a couple of preliminary predictions for, for Nebraska. For all you Cornhusker fans out there that listen to the podcast, thank you so much. So at Temple, 2-10, and 6-6, 10-4, and 10-4. Those were his records. And honestly, at Temple, that is a pretty good job. You look at Temple this year, uh, they are not at that 10-4 and four level, and since then really haven't been at that level. Uh, Jeff Collins, I, I believe, uh, yeah, Jeff Collins, the former uh, Georgia Tech coach, took over after Rule left, and uh, they've had an 8-5 and five season in 2019, but for the most part, pretty, pretty down seasons. And not nearly as many as 10 wins. Um, he got as high as, I believe it was 23rd, was the highest ranking uh, in 2016 that, that Temple achieved, which is impressive with, you know, all things considered. Uh, Temple has, has gained traction over the years. And I think largely in part in, in, in the, you know, in the 2010s was because of Matt Rule and, and building of that program. A lot of people talk to him. He's a master motivator. He, he understands what it takes like, what it takes to, to build a program. Uh, at Baylor, he went 1-11 in 2000. Uh, 17 in 2018, 7 and 6, 2019, 11 and 3. And he spent the last three years, well, two and you know a few weeks at the Carolina Panthers, where he went 5 and 10, 5 and 12, and 1 and 4, and then was later fired. Uh, now, I did, I did say as far as as the Nebraska job, I think this is the more intriguing job, but I think it has the most work and effort to put into it. I think I, I see it going one of two ways, and I really only see these two ways. I mean, maybe there's other opportunities out there, but this is where I see it going. If Nebraska can hold on and the administration can be patient, which they were incredibly patient with Scott Frost, so if you don't at least give Rule the exact opportunities as Frost, I don't think you'll get the results. If Rule goes in there and does what he normally does, breaks it down, tears it down to the studs, right? 2 and 10, 1 and 11 first years respectively at Temple and Baylor. If that is going to happen, I, I think Nebraska is close to the studs as ready, uh, uh, already. I said on, on the podcast last, the last podcast that, hey, he needs to at least make a bowl game. I think that would be considered progress. But I don't even know at that point. I think Nebraska needs to dial their expectations very, very low and give him a very long leash. And if they do that, I see it going one of two ways. If those, if, if barring or bearing that those two variables are taken care of, I could see Rule doing what Jim Harbaugh is doing at Michigan. I really do. Do I think they have the national championship potential? I don't know. Because I don't know how good of a coach he is to, consistent, to consistently be at that level. Jim Harbaugh has proven he can do it. San Diego, Stanford, 49ers, Michigan. He, he's proven it. And I think Rule, in a large part, has proven it, obviously, in the college game, of uh, being able to motivate and be able to talk and be able to get to those college players. He could have that, but it's going to take four to five years, in my opinion. I would be shocked, shocked if Nebraska next year is anything more than eight and four. I think eight and four is the ceiling next year. All things considered, that's with Iowa, that's with Illinois, that's with Wisconsin being on that side of the uh, on that side of the the Big Ten. That's where I see it. The second way I could see it going in Nebraska is 
He has a he has a decent first season, exceeds expectation, gets to a bowl game. Nebraska's back in a bowl game for the first time since 2016. People are happy. Next year he follows it up with there's going to be expectations. May not meet them. Maybe an eight and five. But a lot of people are predicting them nine and three, ten and two, maybe to even win the Big Ten uh, West, right? And then those expectations never go away, and he never gets better. He sits at that nine and three being the absolute top end because I don't think Nebraska can beat the players that Ohio State nor Michigan are getting. I don't think they would beat the players that Penn State is getting. I think James Franklin has proven himself and is an established coach. On that side of it, I obviously you're starting off at the same as Fickle. Fickle's been, at least been, to the, the college football playoff, and Iowa's consistent. Illinois looks like they've got a good one with Brett Bielema. And so you see this 8-5 and five churning. It goes seven or eight years, and then they end up releasing him anyway. And but, but saying, hey, you know what? At least he moved us back into winning. I don't think Matt Rule is going to have very many losing seasons at the University of Nebraska. That is my prediction for it. I see it going one of those ways. I don't think it's going to be. I think you're out of the woods a little bit. I thought Scott Frost from the minute. I know I was. I didn't have this podcast, didn't have this platform, but I thought at the minute that he was hired, it was fraudulent. I thought that UCF was a special team. He was, it wasn't even his kids that were there. It was George O'Leary's kids. I thought it was fraudulent from step one. Rule at least has proven that he can win and can win consistently at multiple places. So Nebraska fans, those are my predictions for you. We'll look at, at the recruiting path. We'll look at the transfer portal as the season gets closer to next year. And maybe we can we can adjust some of those predictions. Um, but again, uh, a bowl game is, is what you're going for. Not even a winning season. A 500 season right now would be good enough, should be good enough for Nebraska. Now, let's do a little bit of a gear shift and go over to Wisconsin. I don't think Wisconsin is as much as a rebuild job as what Nebraska is going to be. I would not be surprised if next year Wisconsin reaches 10-2, and 9-3, and three, and end up going back to the Big Ten championship game. I think this is a quicker turnaround than what Nebraska is. And I'm going to say that I think this was a one of those match-made-in-heaven scenarios. I love Luke Fickle. He wanted to go to the Notre Dame job. People were saying, you know, he was the one to get it. There was a lot of talk around him as he was preparing for the, the college football playoff that he would be moving on to Notre Dame. Notre Dame obviously went with uh, Marcus Freeman as their head coach, passing on Luke Fickle. But I feel like Luke Fickle not only has taken his lumps, uh, being the, the head coach in 2011 after Trestle was let go and prior to Urban Meyer, uh, and just maintaining 6-6 six and six with the Buckeyes. He was able to maintain that. He took his lumps. He then went to Cincinnati. He obviously loves the Midwest, loves that area, loves Ohio. He coached at Akron as well. He goes to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati under Tupperville prior to him uh, was seven and six in 2015. In 2016, four and eight. So he goes four and eight in 2017. And then one thing that you can say about Luke Fickle's teams is their defense is 
hard nose. They are a nasty defense. You look at what Sauce Gardner is doing right now for the New York Jets. Fickle went out and recruited him. And I feel as though Cincinnati emulated Luke Fickle, his coaching style, on the field last year. He's a defensive guy. And, the, and, and honestly, quite honestly, that's possibly why they weren't able to beat Alabama or get things going was because they didn't have that offense. Uh, Desmond River, Ritter never really got going in that championship game um, in the Cotton Bowl against Alabama. But, but you can always say Luke Fickle's teams play hard. Their defense plays hard. Uh, not a lot of blowouts for this team, even this year. The losses are by seven points, four points, and three points. Uh, the the Cincinnati Bearcats went nine and three this year, coming off of what was arguably the best year in well, is the best year in program history. Um, going the 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 year prior, going to uh, the college football playoff and playing against Alabama. Uh, but he has proven that he can turn around a program, and he does it really quick. I don't care what you say. Tupperville was a disaster, in my opinion, at, at Cincinnati. So I'm going to leave it at that. He was able to turn a 4-8 team into an 11-2 team. And that wasn't with his kids in that second year. In his third year, went 11-3. Uh, in 2020, COVID year, 9-1, with that only, uh, only that loss going to uh, Georgia in the Peach Bowl. was a phenomenal game, followed up by 2021, 13-1. So Luke Fickle has proven that he is an absolute uh, stud of a coach. And, and to be honest, I saw a lot of Cincinnati fans out there. Oh, coach, you're leaving. You know, what, what are you doing, coach? You can't leave us. There was nothing more that Luke Fickle could accomplish at Cincinnati. And, and I know that sounds harsh, but it was it's the reality of the system that we have. If we open up a 12-team playoff, if we open a 16-team playoff, then a Cincinnati could be a mainstay or a staple or auto bid, something around there. They would be a staple within the college football community. They are arguably one of the top, well, the best, I could say arguably the best uh, non-Power 5 team right now, at least through uh, the second half of the 2010s uh, into the early 2020s. Uh, we've seen Boise hold that position. We've seen uh, you know UCF for a couple of years. We've seen the University of Utah back in the day, BYU at times when they were in the Mountain West. And, and they really are a legit team, and this team would be a staple if it was bigger. But under the current circumstances, I think Luke Fickle knows I did what I could do. 13-1. and one. But the kids that I'm recruiting at Cincinnati, love Cincinnati, wonderful university, are not the same kids that are going to Alabama, the same kids going to Michigan, Ohio State. And for being at all those years at Ohio State, I think deep down he knows it. He needed to make the jump to the Big Ten because there's a different kind of breed of athlete that commits to a Wisconsin than that commits to a Cincinnati. But I think him you know, kind of paying his dues, you know, of course he had this six and six season and later lost in the Gator Bowl, six and seven season. He, he's done that. And I feel very confident that he's going to turn this Wisconsin team back around. I never felt like uh, Luke Fickle has ever really complained. He's a hard coacher. Um, I see him get mad on the sidelines, but you see him coaching up. I swear every time I saw Paul Chris, he was complaining about something. I never felt like he had the emotion. Um, you can be stoic, but you still show emotion. You see Fickle. I think he's a much better candidate, and I'm happy to see 
what Wisconsin is capable of doing. Uh, Brett Bielema obviously had some great years. Uh, Gary Anderson had a couple of years there, and now Paul Chris was there. For whatever reason, they let him go. Uh, obviously, a lot of articles kind of coming out about that now, uh, but I think he's going to do a phenomenal job, and I wouldn't be surprised if Wisconsin next year, uh, them and Illinois are vying for that Big Ten West uh, title. I really think that both of those teams, just based on coaching alone, uh, can get there. So I don't think it's going to be much of a turnaround for Wisconsin. Uh, if they didn't go to a bowl game, I'd be absolutely shocked. Uh, really, really shocked unless he really goes through and cleans house. And, and it totally depends on transfers and stuff like that. But if you go out next football season and you see that uh, his side of the ball is good, you see that that defense is gnarly. They're holding you know teams under 24, 21 points, and they are just flying all over the place. He's going to get it put together. He 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 really is. Um, he has a talented quarterback at Graham Mertz. I don't know what his his future holds. Obviously, with the coaching change, there's a lot of different changes that can come about. But very excited to see Luke Fickle in in uh, in the uh, in the Big Ten. I think it, it bolsters that side of the conference. I feel like the Big Ten East is just so much better right now than the Big Ten West. Obviously, Iowa kind of taking a step west back Wisconsin, Minnesota, just kind of hanging out. Uh, I'm excited to see what goes forward as far as uh, Wisconsin uh, football, and uh, we'll definitely be keeping a beat on it. But I would I would be very surprised if they didn't go to a bowl game. For sure, at least a bowl game. Um, I'm expecting at least eight wins. A uh, little bit higher expectations for Luke Fickle just because I know how great of a coach he is and the situation he's walking into. And I applaud Wisconsin. They still stuck to their guns and, and going with uh, going with a defensive guy and, and maintaining that culture. If that's your jam, that's your jam. I'm not going to hate on it. Uh, I, I thought they should have went offense. Still love the hire. I think it's a phenomenal hire, and uh, I'm excited to see you know going forward uh, what what both of these teams are capable of. I think there's more optimism uh, this year going into next year than what there was uh, this the, this last football season. Uh, so there you go. There you have it on, on my thoughts, my preliminary uh, predictions for Wisconsin and Nebraska. Uh, now let's just do a quick transition over to the game of the week. I know I spent a lot of time on coaching. It was breaking news. Let's get into the game of the week. The teams that made it. We're gonna we're gonna stick on the happy end of things. And uh, we obviously went into depth in depth with with Michigan. The game, the absolute route they put on by Ohio. Ohio State fans, I'm sorry you got routed. Uh, the football game, and last time I checked, is 60 minutes. And just because you won one quarter or one half, you look decent in the first half. Does not mean that it was not a blowout. 45 to 23 is absolutely unacceptable. Stop sliding into my DMs. Stop saying stuff on Twitter. If it makes you feel better, then fine. But come on. It's okay. Losses do happen. It happens against rivals. Just get get used to it. Because I think it's going to be happening more often than not going forward. Unless Ryan Day and the Buckeyes really get it together. However, we're going to stick to the Michigan side of things. Michigan right now looks like they're rolling. Uh, this championship game, I was looking at the betting line uh, a little bit earlier, and I know it's moved a little bit. Uh, we always liked 
to, to talk about the betting side of things. Uh, for those of you who are new, we always do this on on uh, Thursday's podcast, Wednesday, Thursday podcast, that we, we dive into that. Uh, really, Michigan is, is peaking at the right time right now, and I, I'm not seeing much of a letdown game, and, and it comes down to matchups. Uh, and, and the matchups that I see is going to come down to, I don't think Purdue's defense can handle Michigan's offense. Uh, obviously, monitoring Blake Corum uh, and his status will be will be very important for this game. But they were they proved that with uh, Edwards, the backup, that he is more than capable of putting the team on his back and taking care of it. Uh, so not real not real much of a beat as far as the run game goes. Uh, you look at you know. What it would be, I, I mean, if Michigan can maintain those big play capabilities with Ronnie Bell and the squad of wide receivers that they have, I really think they're going to tear up this Purdue secondary. Uh, again, you look at the losses Purdue sustained in the Big Ten, a loss to Iowa 3-24, to a loss to Wisconsin 24-35, to and and a loss, obviously, Syracuse and Penn State. But what... When when I say Nebraska or not Nebraska, Wisconsin and Iowa, what comes to mind? Gritty, physical offenses and defenses, and that just doesn't cope well with Purdue's style of play. Uh, they they're a gritty team, and they have been known in the past as the spoiler makers. Jeff Brom is a phenomenal coach and can get them ready for big games as such. This is arguably his biggest game he's ever coached in at the University of Purdue and or Purdue University and probably uh, the biggest game he's ever coached in because uh, I don't know what he was doing down at Western Kentucky. Uh, but I think it's going to come down to that. I don't see anyone on Purdue's secondary or linebackers that can handle Schoonmaker. Even though he wasn't a big threat in the Ohio game, they, they obviously can use him. They can utilize him. J.J. McCarthy's uh, big play capability, I just don't see it. I think Michigan overwhelmingly is more favorable um, on the offensive side of the ball. And you're like, okay, well, what is Michigan's defense? Michigan's defense last week, the secondary was amazing. Ohio State has some really, really good wide receivers, and Michigan didn't get burned very deep. Now, Purdue has a couple of stud wide receivers. I'm not going to be taking uh, anything away from them. Uh, Payne Durham, he is close to uh, a, a, a Travis Kelsey. He's a big body uh, that is really tough to, to, to guard uh, when they get him out in space. And that could be a little bit of a, you know, a quote-unquote bugaboo or, or a, a, a thorn in the side of Michigan. But I think that they have the athletes on that side of the ball to cover it. Like I said, you look at the defenses that they've struggled against, a Wisconsin and Iowa physicality. They're not a finesse team. They're running down your throat. They're punch you in the mouth. They're, you know, grinding those those three, four yards, you know, second and short situations or second and medium. That's how I see it play out. And I think that heavily, heavily favors Purdue 
or sorry, Michigan, uh, it is a, a disadvantage for Purdue on that side of the ball. That is where I see this game going. Now, that's not to say that I think it's going to be a total blowout and will be a route 49 to zero. But I do think Michigan is going to beat them. My prediction for this game is is pretty easy. Uh, I believe that is going to be 35 to 21. I think Michigan is going to get a couple of quick scores. I think it's going to be pretty close through half. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, uh, you know, uh, a 21 to seven at halftime as they're entering, or even a 21 to 14. Michigan's proven that they are a very, very good second half team, and I think they turn it on. I think they force either a turnover or two as as uh, you know, Aiden O'Connell's driving the ball down the field, and they flip the game on its side, and they're able to then. And then to kind of pull it out, I think Michigan goes on uh, to the college football playoff. And quite honestly, they're going to be in as the number two seed. I would say a 99.9% lock that Georgia's won, even barring a loss. Uh, maybe they move Michigan to one, but I don't think the committee is going to give us an Ohio State-Michigan game uh, as far as round one goes. I think Georgia is going to beat LSU. I think Michigan beats Purdue. And if you want my honest opinion, I think Kansas State beats, or TCU beats Kansas State. I think we're looking at that fourth spot. Uh, it scares me. If I'm an Ohio State fan, it scares me uh, on a couple of levels because really you're, you're hoping TCU and or uh, USC loses. USC right now is playing some really good football. Cam Rising for the University of Utah um, was healthy for that first game. He has battled some injuries, and he really was a difference difference maker in Salt Lake. Uh, Salt Lake is a completely different place to play. Uh, if you've never seen a game in Salt Lake City, you need to. It is a wild atmosphere considering a fairly small uh, stadium in, in comparison to, to the Big Ten stadiums, uh, to the shoe or, you know, to the uh, to the big house uh, to Happy Valley those those stadiums as such but um, I really think that the the Ute fans that was the biggest game that they had had in in a very long time in Salt Lake I think that was the difference I think on a neutral site in Las Vegas I think Caleb Williams is the best player out there and if Cam Rising is hurt or is is limited uh, I think USC wins and I really think they're going to go with what the committee had tonight one Georgia two Michigan three TCU and four USC uh, honestly there's even an argument and I hate to say this because I don't like Alabama but there's an argument that Alabama gets in over Ohio State and you're going to say Tyler how would that even be possible and you'd say Number one, Alabama has their losses came on last second opportunities. It was a field goal on the road uh, in uh, in in Tennessee. It was a two point conversion in Baton Rouge to beat them. And honestly, those two losses are better than a one loss that you got routed by your rival. A lot of people are saying Ohio State is in a good spot right now. The committee obviously putting them at five. I've told you my thoughts on the committee. I think they go in, they grab some coffee, uh, get a free bagel, put put some uh, you know Philly cream cheese on it, eat it and say, hey, let's do exactly what we did last week. That's my opinion on the committee. I don't think they really analyze it, but it wouldn't surprise me. A lot of people are saying, well, how can you put Tennessee 
there. Tennessee, Hendon Hooker's out. Completely different team, even though Alabama beat them. They know that it has to be live this week. Where do we see them at? Um, but I feel like these things usually resolve themselves. Ohio State's just got to kind of sit back and rest on their laurels of, hey, we, we went 11-1. and one. Uh, We beat one decent team throughout the year and got lucky on two games uh, that, you know, Penn State imploded and Maryland imploded in the last, you know, in the fourth quarter. And, and so that's where, where, where we're at there. So, but we'll see. Like I said, I feel like college football um, usually works itself out. Obviously, the, the 2014 is when Ohio State went. 2014 controversy of them getting over in over TCU and Baylor. I think TCU is going to come out. They're going to play really, really hard uh, against uh, against. Kansas State, knowing that that they they were robbed of that, you know, you would say robbed of that birth or uh, you know of, of that opportunity to play, and I don't think they're going to squander it this time. And uh, USC, I like I said for those, but we'll see. Those are my predictions as far as that goes. Um, honestly, I can't wait for USC to be part of the pack, uh, leaving the Pac-12 and joining the Big Ten and and UCLA joining as well. I think those two are phenomenal schools, and uh, I think they're really going to add a whole different dynamic to the Big Ten. All right, so this has been another uh, edition of, of the Big Ten Football Focus podcast. Uh, like we said, we're taking Michigan plus 16, uh, or sorry, Purdue plus 16, but Michigan on the outright pick. Uh, we've been really good. We're at 55% for the year as far as betting goes, uh, so we're happy with that. Enjoy this week. We'll be obviously tuning in to watch that game. We'll be waiting for the selection committee, uh, and then hopefully some of the bowl games begin to be announced. I'm hoping that we can kind of wait and see that as we react to that and then we'll be giving uh some bowl predictions obviously it's going to be a little bit different i don't know if we'll be doing two podcasts a week going forward where uh you might get a bowl game you know december 17th and a bowl game uh december you know 31st where it's a week and a half or two weeks apart uh so we're going to definitely uh we'll, we'll see uh so what i would suggest to you guys is is hit that subscribe button so you're notified when we release a new podcast uh again a lot of fun content uh, even better content, right? Uh, as we like to say, looking onward and upward at the Big Ten Football Focus podcast for the off season. We again always uh, say thank you to our fans. We love the support. Uh, we are very appreciative of, of everything that you guys do because we do it for you. This is your podcast uh, told through my perspective. And uh, hopefully we get some more uh, fan questions. I have a slew of them uh, through Twitter and, and other outs, outlets uh, that I've been able to interact with you guys. So uh, follow us on Twitter at Big Ten Pod. Uh, and then, uh, of course, subscribe so you get notified. Have a wonderful weekend and let's enjoy Championship Week weekend and we will be back here next week with you guys.